podcast with your hosts, Kathy, Burke, and Mark. We're here to talk about horror, sci-fi, unusual, and all the shit in between. So, hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Cinemondo. How you doing? All right. Good morning. Good Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Watching movies. What are we going to talk about today? What What should we we talk talk about? Should we talk about things that, like, we always talk about horror movies. One of these days, I want to I want to bring up sci-fi movies. I really want to yeah. get into the different genres. I don't know people. Maybe people like horror movies more, but I think there's some really good old sci-fi movies that are out there that we should talk about one of these days. I'm kind of excited about this upgrade movie. Would that be considered sci-fi? Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's you know sci-fi can be there's many different facets of sci-fi when people think classic old sci-fi they usually think you know forbidden planet or <laughs> that kind of stuff which is definitely what i kind of think of originally but then oh, it can Darwin. be it can be a little uh, more serious but yeah i would put upgrade in there you know i mean that's new sci-fi of course yeah. but no i love sci-fi i'm all about you know yeah we should do checking that. out all kinds of stuff and classic yeah. stuff too i mean there's a lot of things that people you know everybody acknowledges that certain things like fantastic or forbidden planet or or Fantastic Planet are classics, but they haven't seen them in a long time. I think it's really fun to go back. You know, we were talking before about revisiting, and I know a lot of people sort of brush off certain movies and, and they say, "Oh yeah, I've seen that," but they haven't really seen it in in recent times. Like I was talking to somebody recently about that, and and you know, it was like, "What was what was the movie?" And it was something like something really obvious, like Citizen Kane or something. And they were like, "Yeah, I've seen that," and I was and. But then they watched it again recently and were amazed by how much new thing new stuff in it that they noticed and how many how how meaningful it was for present day you know, mm-hmm. And, how, mm-hmm. and how resonant it was and all those things. So I think there's some it's a lot to be said for revisiting old films that you may feel like you're familiar with. Well, I think but, sometimes you, you're looking at it through a different lens, like when you're younger and you see movies where you're relating more to like the younger characters. And then when you get older, you're all of a sudden realizing you're you're part of the older buzzkill generation in the movie, <laughs> and you're like or, not thinking that the young kids are so cool anymore. But or you also appreciate things in the movie that are more adult um, subtext that you didn't notice as as a kid, you know, or a younger person watching it. Or maybe because the last time we saw these movies was on a really gnarly old CRT television, and now that we all have gigantic futuristic, you know high definition televisions you see them again and you're like wow this is whole whole brand new movie what is what is the crtv thing you talk about i've never heard of it yeah old-fashioned things that our <laughs> grandparents used to watch it's like television rca on. 19 inch or a zenith <laughs> right. quasar motorola um well for me for re-seeing a movie you know reviewing it for me it's more like i just rather for the longest time i'm like i just want to see i don't want to see something i've already seen yeah. I've seen it. I've done yeah. it. I know what it is. I don't need to see it again. Yeah. And I just want to see new things. But then when I'm revisiting films that I've seen before, I just start doing, oh, yeah, this is a totally different. I don't remember it this way. Yeah. And even with some of the sci-fi stuff, like I just watched This Island Earth not too long ago, which yeah. is one of those, you know, 50 sci-fi yeah. things. And it's just interesting to watch the sets. And like, yeah. it's really cool. You know, really interesting. The color. So for me, the biggest block was I just don't want to see something I've seen before. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm remembering like one or two scenes that were impactful, and I don't remember anything else about the movie. Yeah. But I'm like, I've seen this because I remember the scene. And then you watch it, like, wow, I don't remember all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, different things mean different things to you at yeah. different points in your life. 
Yeah. It's like reading a book again. You know, you read all these books that were so important to you when you were in high school and you read them again now and you're like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but sometimes you go back and you read it and you find that it, it didn't mean, it doesn't mean what you used to think it meant. Yes, I've never read a book twice. Really? Isn't that hmm. crazy? Have you? As Both a kid, like I, yeah. I think I read Charlotte's Web like 50 times. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I, I get that, yeah. <laughs> well, I just recently read, talking about sci-fi, I just recently reread Dune, you know, the Frank mm. Herbert. Wow, that's a big one. It's a big book, but I, I read that years ago when I was a kid, and, and I love sci-fi. I love to read sci-fi, and I'm kind of surprised that it took me this long to reread it because I feel like I like to reread old sci-fi books that I read when I was young and just discovering sci-fi because they meant things to me back then. It was cool. I was concentrating on the big sandworms and the fights and all these things. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. But this time when I read it, there's so much else underneath the surface in that book. There's yeah. so many levels of of characters and 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 world building, just the way Frank yeah. Herbert was able to create this world. And, you know, you watch the David Lynch movie, which is great. I love that movie, but it's not the book. It's the book has got so Wait, you much. You love that more. movie? I do. I love, love that movie. The Dune. <laughs> I do. Mm. Well, I, you know, it's so impossible to take I, Dune and yeah. turn that into a movie. Yeah. I mean, it'd yeah. be a forty-hour movie. You know, yeah. Or, or it'd be a series or something. You know. And and David Lynch tried with that. He, he tried, tried really hard. He had the you know in the book. There's a lot of places where you hear somebody's thoughts. Right. You in books you hear what people are thinking and the the narrator takes you through what their intent is with certain things. And in the movie, Lynch tried to do that with these uh, with these narrative overdubs of people's mm. thoughts, like, right. you know, you know, what is she thinking, and and all these things. But it's a I I like that movie for what it is, but it's not the book. But I think that because so much of the book was kind of interior, you know. So when David Lynch's solution was that to have everyone whispering their thoughts, so to have like. I have this whispering. It's in my head. He's coming. Over. It was so great. <laughs> I was like, stop whispering. Well, they weren't whispering, literally. No, it was, it their, was thoughts just their thoughts in their heads, but it hearing, was but kind of annoying art. Of, I don't it was a hard movie. Maybe I need, it's what I need to revisit. Well, it's a hard, some, movie, some movies are, har are harder to obviously, I mean, how books are into convert into films. It's just, some are harder That's than true. others. Yeah. I, but I do wanted to um, confess my undying love for David Lynch. So I'm yeah. sorry. Sometimes you do stuff I don't love, but just that one time. <laughs> well, that movie was really when it came out was just critically lambasted. Yeah, it still is you know. obvious. But, but wasn't it? <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he come up, come up with it? Didn't he like do a director's cut and it was uh, so much up a longer, bit? so yeah. much longer, not necessarily better. No, I, I think it was maybe not not a director's cut because I think they I think there's an Alan Smithy cut. You know, there's a I can't oh, miss yeah, an I Alan Smithy right. film. Yeah, he's my favorite. But they Morgan used, Stewart's coming home. It's so good. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but the director's cut of, or or the extended cut, or whatever they call it, of Dune, is not really great. It's a they use production art, you know, that looks like the the, the you know the the concept art for the designs of the fashions, the wardrobe in the in the movie, and I mean, so here you got you got drawings and then narrations talking uh -oh. about the history, and yeah. it's it's pretty disconcerting. Plus, they stuck some scenes back in that had been cut that were unnecessary and and sort of like the new star wars footage that they stuck in there where the scene the, the exposition that's in the scene that was cut was redone in a different part in the film so <laughs> we got a uh, rumba just we, so sorry we to have someone a rumba cleaning up <laughs> while we do this <laughs> 
but so that's why in the Star Wars film, in the new version of it, you have him using the same dialogue again. Like, you know, I just not going to drop my cargo at the first sign of Imperial or whatever, you know. And the same thing happens with the recut of Dune, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know why we're talking about Dune. (laughs) It's called banter. You know, what we we need is we need more whiskey. That's what we need. (laughs) We haven't had our toast, whiskey toast. Per you know the beginning of every episode, it's been a while. Good well, old bullet I, I, bourbon. <laughs> well, I think I, I, this is kind of a stretch of a segue, but Dune being kind of an unfilmable book. Oh yes, we're talking about books. And then the second movie we're going to talk about is a Stephen King book that could be considered somewhat unfilmable <laughs> because it's you know the subject matter. Yeah. But it was made into a movie. But let's talk That's about true. the first one first. Oh wait, real quick, oh, we were yeah. talking when we were talking about books and rereading. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm doing that I think is kind of fun is that I'm actually listening to audiobooks of books I've actually read before. So I'm not technically reading them, but you get a whole different like performance of the book, which is kind of gives you a different appreciation for it. And I actually did listen to um, Game of Thrones series of books twice. So wow. that that's um, that was epic. Who did the Game of Thrones? Uh... Well, they had two narrators, but... Um, oh, now you put me on the spot. I can't remember who it was. But a really good narrator. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> Some guy. I don't know. He's actually in, in the... Um, they actually cast him as um, the uh, the guy who makes the fire. The oh, green fire. Yeah. He's, he's the uh, narrator. He's of the narrator. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's know. a kind of famous actor, right. which I can't remember right now. But good. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm listening to... And I listen to a lot of Stephen King books twice like listening to them versus reading mm-hmm. and that's that's really fun because it's the same thing with like with movies you remember like carrie or the shining but to hear them again and performed especially you know will Patton is the new stephen king's new narrator of choice and he's just amazing and so if you get books that he's done he's done a bunch of new ones lately he's really a fun listen because he does lots of character voices and stuff hmm. is he doing the outsider yeah, he did the outsider. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Well, speaking okay. of you know, in in Dune, you were talking about there's books. A lot of times in books, the writer is able to get in people's minds and and they write in a way that lets you understand what the person is thinking and their thoughts and their inner feelings. All these things that if you make a film, you have to figure out some way to have those things expressed by the characters outwardly, so that the audience can know them and hear them. Yeah. But there's a there's a book that Stephen King wrote called Gerald's Game, which mm-hmm. is basically it's a it's one of those containment, isolation horror type stories. It's basically a story about a, a woman who's by herself and she's she's trapped, and uh, so the whole movie basically takes place in in her mind in in some ways. It's her thoughts and her her experiences of sort of hallucinating or imagining and but it's um i mean the basic story is she's having you know a horrible marriage and they think that they're going to go to the to the lake house and have this kind of wild youthful reignite reignite their sex life and all this and but she kind of discovers that her husband is a little quirky like maybe in a in a weird way but she's going to go along with it the guy wants to like chain her up and he starts doing all this sort of like rape fantasy stuff and it sort of freaks her out and she gets mad at him but she's handcuffed already handcuffed to the bed right and so her husband it's not a spoiler right well that's the very beginning it's the premise of the film her husband dies he has a heart attack (laughs) and so she is handcuffed to this bed out in the wilderness somewhere it's too far away for anybody to hear her her cries and so, of course, he used like 
the real thing. So she can't just wiggle out of these handcuffs. She's actually cuffed to the bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stuck. But it's um, it's interesting because, of course, being a Stephen King novel with Stephen King characters, she has a lot of issues and a lot of things that she has to work through. So there's a there's a bit of a character arc. It's not just it's not just a, a procedural about how she tries to escape. But the film, the film of it goes into some interesting things, because I think when Stephen King wrote the original book, there weren't any such thing as cell phones. So in the <laughs> yeah. in the movie, they had to have an explanation for why she can't just, you know, somehow reach over with her foot and get the phone right. or well the fo- the phone could even just be on a table across the room and she wouldn't be able to get it right or you maybe she could use siri i don't know <laughs> but when was the yeah. last time you were more than like a foot away from your phone <laughs> yeah well they are naked <laughs> yeah I mean, technically yeah. you know they they didn't have their phones in mind at the time right but that the the film of it was uh directed by who mark mike flanagan who is um this is, I think, his fifth film, and uh, I think he's uh, an interesting guy to watch. He did a film called Absentia, which we're also going to talk about. Oculus, uh, Before I Wake, I think is another one, a uh, uh, Ouija movie, and something called Hush. And they're all good, in my estimation, but Gerald's game was obviously, you know, you, you, if you know the book, he's going to make some changes to update it to, uh, to today. Um, but I think you have two good performances you know from uh carla gugino and uh, bruce greenwood and um you have a lot of you know it felt like a stephen king movie to me you know like there's certain the, when you read a stephen king book there's he he writes as though you're in in the mind of the you know the, the person and they say they go oh what was that thing you know like trying to figure out like a clue as to how to get out of this and there's a lot of that in this movie and then, but in this in this movie, it's the dead husband sort of is in her mind, and he's there talking, and also another version of herself is talking to her. Like, and so she's got these voices in her head. Well, I really liked that how they got into that because they you're basically seeing her work out a lot of the issues she had in her marriage while she's, she has nothing much else to do except lay on this bed. But the stuff is I don't. It just goes to show you how great a filmmaker Flanagan is because he makes this thing so suspenseful and so so intense, even though you're basically just seeing a woman trying to figure out how to get unhandcuffed from a bed. Mm-hmm. And when you have all these interspersed you know, moments of her conflict with her husband and the fact that her husband's dead body is still in the room and that's kind of freaking her out, like it's just... just such such spectacular um and there's a dog there who's you know hungry <laughs> yeah. and uh and, and I, this whole sort of um you know like she knows that night is coming and when night comes there could be scary things and there's mm-hmm. the moonlight man the house isn't locked yeah right they make a point to show that when they go into the house that she says don't you want to close the door but there's no really reason to close the door in the at the lake house because they're so far away from anyone and they'd be able to hear if anyone drove up. But it's a, it's a classic isolation thing. I think Stephen King wanted to, I mean, you can kind of get the idea that he wanted to write a story like this where you had an inner, an inner voice. I mean, he did another one where the little girl is lost in the, in the woods. And it's, it's, it's a very similar story where she has, I think it's the, the girl who loved Tom. Oh yeah. What was that called? A baseball player. Or yeah, something. I can't remember thing. the name of it now. This is terrible. But blanking <laughs> <laughs> out. <laughs> the girl who loved Tom Holland movies. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> but it's um, 
it's you know that story is about a little girl who gets lost in the woods and so the whole book is is her inner world her thoughts her her feelings and her issues and hallucinations and and in this movie you got an adult woman who's got issues that go back to her childhood and uh, her father and yeah Mm -hmm. and why she stayed in a sort of abusive relationship where she wasn't happy and you Mm -hmm. know coming to terms with it and and you know i i think seeing uh this woman kind of struggling with that like i feel like it was almost symbolic like She's tied to the bed, but she ha- she can use her own strength and her own gen- ingenuity to get out of this, which she was never able to do with her husband. But she's able to get out of it, try and get out of this situation using you know her feminine power. Um, I like seeing her kind of gaining more and more confidence through the films. Really, such an she's such a great actress. Yeah, so she did a watch. really good job of of devolving you know <laughs> into a desperate, hungry you know I'm gonna die. Kind of I mean, a I character. want to jump out of my skin when she's trying to get that glass of water yeah. off the... Oh, yeah. my God. Or I mean, she, amazing they could make that stressful. Like, oh, so suspenseful. And just some shots of, like, you know, what's in the corner and mm-hmm. who's the moonlight man and things yeah. like that were just, like, they were creepy. Oh, night's coming again. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah, you know, ooky because you realize you're just totally helpless. But I did, I have to say, I had some issues. I had some technical issues with the film. Mm-hmm. And... You know, when I read the book, it makes sense because you you read that this woman is handcuffed to a bed and cannot get out, right? So your your mind design your mind does a production design. You know, your your mind designs a bed that a woman can't escape from if she's handcuffed to it. So you accept that in the in the book. You say, okay, well, it must be the kind of a bed that a woman could not escape from if she were handcuffed to it. But in the film, you start looking at it and you're thinking, you know, there's a scene where there's an imaginary scene where she imagines herself escaping, but then there's a reason why that wouldn't work in the real world. I like that. But then I started, I mean, my first instinct was if I, and I always think like this is like, if I had designed this, I would have designed it in a way that, wouldn't make me look at that and think oh here's what I would have done and I started thinking about all these things that I would have done if I was handcuffed to a bed and later in the film they established that she could move the bed around but you know she had to sort of be partly off the bed and these are like little technical issues but I once I once I think about it once I think what would happen if I was in this situation and I was desperate what would I do and I know that the first thing I would do would be something that she did not do, which was in the film, and yeah. which was kick the mattress off the the bed frame. You know, mm-hmm. get your feet around there, kick the mattress off, so that you can put your feet on the floor and drag that bed over to where the telephone is or to where the keys are. She could see the keys, and uh, you know, you could you can use your weight to move the bed around once you get your feet on the floor if you kick the bed off kick the mattress off kick the box springs off or however it's made somehow get your feet on the floor so you can push this bed over i think that you know she was stretched pretty tight and like her arms were she's on her back and her arms are you know outstretched and i think trying to move your lower body when your upper body is so Im, almost immobile. I don't. I don't know how how much weight you would have to throw around 
um, but she did that. get herself sideways at one point where she was trying to reach the phone with her foot. Yeah, and that's that's the moment when I said, okay, well she can get her she could get her heel around the bottom of that that frame, you know the 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 mattress. But anyway, those are nitpicky little. It was things. a waterbed, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I got the impression the bed was really heavy too. It was a big wood bed. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like as a as a you know as a as a person who notices production design and things like that, it would have been, I think it would have been interesting if they had designed a special bed for the film that you couldn't, that you couldn't imagine doing those things with like something that had a frame that sort of contained the box springs, something with a big iron back on it that, you know, cause you, she tries to get the handcuffs over the top of those posts and it just barely doesn't fit over that one little thing. And then later she does something to cut something and I'm thinking, Oh, well, why didn't, instead of cutting that thing, why didn't she just start trying to chip away at that, at the top of that thing? Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I guess though, you know, when I watch these kind of movies, there is a, that little bit of like, you know, suspension. you're sort of like, you're, she's freaking out, especially early on. Yeah. She's just freaking yeah. out. And it's like, I can't get out. And I can I can imagine like just sort of like I'm I'm screwed here. And you're getting yeah. weaker, and yeah. your arms are I'm, tired. I'm, I need I need to drink some water. I need to I worry just, about nighttime. And so yeah, they could have done some sort of like mid-century modern bed with all this extra wood where it would be impossible to right. move it. You know that kind of stuff. It should have been. I think I feel like they should have made the bed a character in the film. You know, like more of a more of an impenetrable you know trap that she that that the viewer instantly knows okay you can't get out of that i guess but i kind of liked that it was sort of um deceptively innocent looking like it was sort of feminine it was kind of an old-fashioned looking bed you know it had the kind of decorative you know posts on it and just and i like the idea that this sort of you know sort of like maybe it's stretching the symbolism a little too much that this deceptively kind of feminine thing is so strong and you can't break it, you know? So I, I like that she was sort of in her, in a way like she's this, you know, feminine thing that, that can be broken by the situation, but she ultimately isn't. But I, you know, I, I didn't mind it cause I thought the, the, the idea that it didn't look impenetrable was kind of the whole scariness of it. There's Darwin likes this part. He's like this wagging his tail. You the sound of a tail wagging <laughs> against the table. And looking at her. He's like, I like that part about the... <laughs> yeah, well, it's almost like, how can I, you know, I should be able to get out of this. It seems so yeah. easy, but I can't because of just physics. Just, right. just the reality of my yeah. situation. And that's, I guess that's my only problem is the fact that I didn't, I, I felt like that wasn't played well enough as within the production design. And I know that's real specific and nitpicky, but... But I wonder if that's, you know, in a way, maybe that's kind of the difference in seeing it through uh, a man's eyes and me seeing it through a woman's eyes is seeing that that situation looked um, in its deceptive innocence. You know, to me, that was scarier almost than like being in like a really heavy, scary, masculine looking bed. I mean, I think to me that was totally believable, like just the physicality of it totally made sense to me. I mean, I don't know if um, that's maybe just a point of view aspect mm-hmm. of the film. I feel like if I was desperate and in that situation i would have been pulling really hard and yanking on that stuff and really trying to break that bed and i i, I just kind of got she the, did that she did i mean but, it has it hurts i mean that's to me i got the feeling it's really painful well yeah you're either painful or die and i would i'm thinking she didn't even really it didn't seem to me like she even tried to bend those posts or pull on them or really pull or kick the mattress off or you know, shift her weight back and forth and try to rock the bed and move it, you know, 
Mm -hmm. a little bit at a time, inch by inch over to that phone. And those are, those are things that I feel like in the film, in the context of the, the drama that we're seeing, the story that we're seeing, I think those things should have been covered by the, by the production design. I don't know. But I I will say this in the character and, and, you know, um, the husband who's, you know, after he dies, he comes back and sort of one, one half, you know, he, he's like the weak side of, of her mind, mm-hmm. I guess. And saying, right. like, saying like, you just wasted the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six that hours. It's going to be dark in an hour. You know, yeah. you could have been doing something. Right. So yeah. for the first day, she's just sort of like, I'm screwed. Like yeah. sort of you know? almost like, like this can't I, be real. I, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, how do I get out of this? I'm yeah. tired. I can't believe this happened. So he, you know, so I think they address that like, and he, she wastes a day. And now that's true. Second, and now she's hungry and yeah. weak. Now she's yeah. hungry. I got to, I got to drink. I gotta right. figure out, you know, and like what's happening to my husband and what's that thing in the corner and it's dark. And, right. And she's no one, no, and no position to break, you know, yeah. the, the, uh, <laughs> the table, break the yeah. table. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, I was, and so I, I, I felt it was very believable. And then you know, as as, it, as she got stronger, she got stronger for the right reasons, and she mm-hmm. did something that in many ways is much harder than uh, breaking the <laughs> breaking right. The bed, yes. You know. So yes. and I just thought it worked. I thought it was the, the right the right length. I thought it was exciting the whole way, well shot, uh, just creepy enough and scary enough, and you know. And for some reason, like the ending, I don't even want to say what it is, but I thought that ending could have been done in a way that was just a bad ending. And they, I thought they really pulled it off. And I think it was mostly due to her. Like, I really believe, like, when that stuff was going down at the end was happening, that her strength really carried that movie. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to see that. I liked seeing that. Yeah. Well, she's always been, uh, you know, she's always been good in anything. And yeah, she's It was great. great to see her sort of shine, and mm-hmm. that, this was her movie. Yeah, it was and really so good. And so Mike Flanagan wrote and directed that from, obviously, Stephen King's book yeah, and edited it. So. One yeah. of the, I think one of the better Stephen King adaptations, actually. I would Very say simple. so, too. Yeah. yeah. I thought, it, you know, they took what I think it can kind of be a film, that, a book that'd be tough to film, and they sort yeah. of made it work. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, yeah, it is interesting to try to think which... Which where it falls in the hierarchy of Stephen King adaptations? It's hard because you know there's so many different types. You know, there's the huge budget like yeah. It and The Shining, and then there's the smaller stuff or the TV stuff. And this is sort of like made for Netflix, so it's a smaller movie. We should talk about It too. I don't know if you guys have seen the new It. I have. I we yeah. got to talk about that at some point because uh, we can do a whole uh, you know yeah. se- uh, season on Stephen King. We do Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can do a Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> we'll start with Thriller. No. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, thinner. Sorry, thinner. thinner. <laughs> Different. That was John Landis. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, we've almost done a whole episode here. We're almost at our end point here, and oh. we've only talked about one movie this can time. Can we talk about Absentia real quick? Let's talk about Absentia. I think we so can. Wait, can we just do we'll one? Just it in. It well, I will just say what I, you know, this is Mike Flanagan's first film, made for I think thirty or forty thousand dollars, and it's a really good movie, and it's especially good that it was done in such uh, you know little amount of money. Mm-hmm. I, I won't go into the plot, but it. It, it's, it takes place in sort of a generic neighborhood, especially if you live in Southern California. Yeah, a few blocks from here, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And uh, it's what ha- and basically this uh, this woman ha- has lost her husband has been missing for seven years, and so she's ready to uh, get the death certificate, death in absentia. I didn't realize that it took seven years to do that. I, I mean, I in the meantime, she's really struggling financially because she cannot collect right. insurance right. or the 401k or anything in the will because he's not technically dead. Right. He's I thought just, that was a great plot point. Yeah. Just missing. Yeah. And there's a, no evidence. That was almost scarier to me <laughs> than what the thing was. 
and anyway, so she starts seeing uh, images of him, and you know, uh, and sort of freaks her out. But her sister, who's sort of had some issues, visits from out of town, and they're living together in this apartment. And then there's a tunnel close by, and it just gets it, it becomes very intense, very like quickly. a little pedestrian tunnel that goes under the freeway, right? And, and there's something in that tunnel, or or not. And so there's reminiscence. It, it harkens a little bit to Stranger Things in some ways. Uh, the uh, what makes it creepy is some of the sound effects are really interesting Mm -hmm. just the general setting uh, and what they see in the tunnel I think too what they really captured is the um, sibling uh, not even a rivalry but definitely the issues between the two sisters Mm -hmm. like they both resented each other and their roles in each other's lives like how they impacted it you know the one sister felt like I made all the right decisions and I never get any credit and the other one's like well you know, I tried to give you credit. You just wouldn't listen. And you're like, well, you were a mess. You're a heroin addict. Like they, they had all these reasons to like just distance themselves from each other. And so when they finally get back together, you think they're going to work their problems out. And they felt really real. Like the weirds. it wasn't like this, like we're sisters, we're unbreakable. It's like there was a problem there. And I mm-hmm. thought that was, and that sort of in a way created that opening for the things to happen. And I thought that was, you know, there was a whole huge like element of lack of trust. Like the one girl just felt like she couldn't trust the heroin addict because she was on you know not someone she could rely on and then you know the obviously the you know the pregnant sister was hiding something from her besides her father of the child <laughs> she didn't know that there was just something really really nice and and small that added a whole extra element of kind of that weird suspense and complication i mean i guess flanagan when you think about his movies he really does do really well with female characters he gets the complexity of it which i thought was really good it mm-hmm. really helps fill out a movie more than just like oh they're just victims <laughs> but that's what makes any horror film or any film really work is the characters you know it's mm-hmm. the and especially horror films because or especially genre fantasy sci-fi whatever films because you're you're seeing things happen to people that don't normally happen to people things that are happening to people that you've never had happen to you. And when you see them happen to people in movies, if the characters aren't believable, then nothing is believable in the film. You don't, you don't, you don't even understand this world. But if you put these real characters and again, going back to Stephen King, Stephen King always is so good at that. Like on the first page, the first introduction to his characters, you feel like, okay, I know this guy. I know these people. I know who she is. I know, exactly who this is and what his voice sounds like you know and so once you know the characters and absentia had the had the the great sisters characters and you know these people it's like i know both of those women you know i've i've known people like both of them and i've known sisters who were like that with each other and i think everybody felt like you know everybody feels like okay these these people i know i know these characters and, they and felt you, very real and when you feel yeah when they feel real in a in a movie and then there's a supernatural element you're more likely to sort of buy into the presence of this supernatural thing in the film and you you feel for these people and you, you're scared for them and you worry for them and you're the suspense is real and their feelings are are real and i think that that's a that's a really difficult thing is to depict a person's reaction to the supernatural because mm-hmm. honestly we don't know how how would you react if something impossible happened right in front of your eyes right or if you were being led to or if you were being sort of forced to believe in something that can't possibly happen is happening in my home to my loved one you know it's a 
it's a good you know, it's a good thing to be able to do you know <laughs> in a film <laughs> because really otherwise yeah <laughs> he's he's very concerned about these characters because he really <laughs> loves them but the um you seeing the husband come home i think that's what it is. that's the trick you know in a good horror film is and i know it's been said a million times but it's really true characters and story you know but well and so often i think a lot of people malign horror and they think it's just trash because they feel like they're just seeing disposable characters you don't really care they're just like archetypes and they a just, lot of them they are killed off. some are yeah some are and so when you see a movie like this or even gerald's game where you see these fully fleshed out characters and you feel like there's something at stake like that's when it's special that's when you know something's really you know that's going to be something disturbing yeah that's when the loss or, or whatever happens really right. hits you and that's what upsets you it's just like wow that was for for the even regardless of the budget it was just uh, really well done all the way around. So, and it was yeah. incredibly well edited. There were some scenes that you know he edited that were a lot of story was told with some narration and then just some sh- simple shots of like maybe at the police station yeah. and right. outside or like them putting up flyers on telephone poles that really sort of brought the movie back to the, the beginning. Yeah, and so uh, the way he edited it was really a lot of stuff was told with not a lot of dialogue, right. a lot of stuff and. So and I can't see those underground tunnels now without thinking about this movie. Like every time right. I see one, I'm like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. What if I see something there, scary? He took something that. Walk was, in and say, trade. <laughs> he took something that was mundane. But yeah. Mundane. Mm-hmm. But yet we always look at those. Go, Do I really want to walk through that? They're creepy for a lot yeah, of reasons. They were already creepy before this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's something that's in neighborhoods, you know, around. And yeah. People use them all the time, yeah. you know. And, uh, and to take but, something mundane like that, I think it's it's a. It's you know it's sort of like the shower in Psycho. Everybody said, "Oh, now I see my shower as a different thing." Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But to take those mundane things, I think part of it is a is a an artifact of the fact that this movie is so low budget that it was maybe the only thing available. You know, it's a, it's a prop that was already there. He yeah. didn't have to build it. It felt like maybe you know he or a friend lived in that apartment building. Yeah, hey, look what's over. What's and they're like oh, hundred yards away. Okay, let's. <laughs> It's a real tunnel. Yeah, you can yeah. go walk through that tunnel. We <laughs> right should go now. take a picture in it. Yeah. Let's go take a picture of the tunnel. But that's the thing. One of the other things that I really like about this movie is the fact that, like I keep saying, it's like you could make this movie with your friends and an mm-hmm. iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything. It, there wasn't a car chase or a car crash or anything even like that. It wasn't a, a monster or a... You know, there was a little bit of special effects yeah, type well, stuff. But just enough that you go, huh, what's that? But you really never get a look. Yeah. No, you have to. Have, I mean, that's when I feel like Flanagan is just this immense talent because, yeah, he did it for no money and he made it work, but because he's so freaking talented. Yeah. So it's he, like, that's when you know someone's going to be a great filmmaker because he's and, able and, to really and, make that work. And, you know, it got him Oculus, which was a, a bigger We'll talk about that movie, for sure because I Hush love that. And these, so he's now, mm-hmm. a, you know. A director that people watch. Yeah, he's yeah. John Carpenter of our times. He I gets guess. it. You know, he gets it. He's the reason why we want to watch movies like this. And, and yeah, I like that he's sticking to horror. Like he he wants to do horror movies, but he brings an element of humanity to it that a lot of horror people don't. You mm-hmm. know, which I think is mm-hmm. really a lot of family stuff. You know, he's really do, he's a really really good talent. Yeah. Well, so, should we should we wrap it up? Let's do it. I think it was a our, good Mike Flanagan. That episode. was a Mike Flanagan slash Dune episode. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Why was I talking about Dune? I don't, I don't even remember why. Why I got does anyone ever talk about Dune? I don't know. I just think of those. I just think of how such uh, how thick of a book that is. Yeah. That reminds me. I'll, I'll leave it with this uh, one line from The Simpsons. How's this for a okay. second? Okay. This is a line about uh, you know Lisa's in the the library and um, 
the uh, the uh, Yoko, what was his name in the show? Cletus, I think. Cletus, I think, yes. Cletus, yeah. he, and, and Lisa goes, watches, and he's coming in with a turtle. And, and uh, Lisa goes, oh my God, listen, Cletus is at the library. Isn't that wonderful? He's going to read a book. And he gets a and he gets a big fat book. He goes, nothing cracks a turtle like Leon Uris, oh, <laughs> which made me laugh very hard. So. <laughs> now, anytime you review a big thick book, you'll mention turtles. Yeah, but Dune again. A yeah. Dune is a big fat book, but it's like once you start reading it, you're you're in it and you you're you're there. You're transported. It's I highly recommend it. That's this week's book recommendation. <laughs> and all the banging you hear is a pit bull Sorry. attacking yeah. Mark. Right Darwin now. sometimes he gets excited and comes under the table and then there's lots of tails hitting them. <laughs> he can't help he, he just can't help it. He loves Dune. He does. He thinks that's very exciting when he hears Darwin the wo- Darwin the Wonder Dog. That's yeah. two cents in. That's right. He's like, I like the part with the sandworms. <laughs> they look tasty. <laughs> Uh, on that note all right don't forget to like us all right like us on facebook instagram and twitter social media social media at what hashtag what cinemondo podcast except for twitter which is cinemondo pod please Mm. do that we please we need it we need it all right (laughs) thanks Thanks, i'm begging now okay bye (laughs) thanks for liking us (laughs) all right this is cinemondo signing off (laughs) 